0: Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So, I just want to take a moment before I get started, and, ah, this is just so delicious. You all are, I know we're magnificent, but you're delicious. It's like... (laughs) Yeah, I just uh you can just feel the joy and the love and the power that's within this room. So, uh I'm really honored to be able to come hang out with you all this morning. So, on that note, I have an invita- invitation for you so you can uh kick the 20 minutes off if you want to. If not, I can talk all morning. There we go. Um So, uh as we get started this morning, I um I want us to take a little bit of of a trip down memory lane. And I want you to take an inventory of your life of those things that you're really proud of. Look back over your life and look at the things that you've done that in the moment felt like an impossibility, but there was something so profound moving inside of you that you didn't care what it was going to take. You were going to accomplish it. And my sense is we're, you know, we're a bit of a more mature audience, that there's probably several things that you've done in that way. Did I, and let me see if I can, y'all got some things? Yeah, really own the pride and the sense of achievement in that. Now... As you're scanning your life, I encourage you to also take a moment and really look at the things that you're really grateful for. What were all of the indications along the way of just how loved and cherished and supported you were? That it was like surprise support that seemed to show up out of nowhere. And and the goodness that just came simply because you're here. Y'all got it? All of that was divinely designed. All of that is an indication that you truly are this divine being living this physical form, this 3D form. And let's just take a moment and really give thanks that you chose to be here doing this precious thing called life, that something magnificent is happening today, and it's this thing called life. All right, now I want to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to invite you to scan the landscape of your life, and notice those edges, where you might feel a longing for something more. There might be an edge of discontent around something. That it might be a whisper, it might be loud, but just notice where your life might be talking to you. And then notice your reaction to that whisper or that louder voice. Notice that as we're sitting here in this warm and fuzzy spiritual community, if there's a part of you that wants to tap it down to say, you know, that's not spiritual, to want something more, it's I, I should be grateful for what I have, just notice the longing, notice the discontent, and then notice the conversation that you're having around it. Y'all paying attention? If I got you, that is your divine design. Here's the thing I want you to understand. If you don't walk away with anything else than this, the thing that I want all of us to get to a level of today, understanding that we have dedicated a life to mastering this understanding, which is we are unlimited in our capacity to create. That we are the most powerful beings in the entire universe in our capacity to truly create anything that we can think up now we're studying the five principles that um, yeah right there no but i 'm going uh, to going put this up here because my dog eared literally uh, book that We've been studying the five unity principles. Um, We're in the midst of studying the five unity principles. And small groups are using um, Ellen Devenport's amazing book um, titled The Five Principles. She didn't come up with the five principles. She's unpacking um, um, unpacking it for us because this is what unity stands for. First principle is that God, that's all there is. That there's nothing outside of the realm of God which means leads to the second principle, which means we are the individualized expression of God. Principle three says that we create by our thinking. We effectively create the way that God creates, that everything starts in the realm of thought. Everything begins in thought. Everything is created twice, first in thought and then in physical realm. When we look at that, here's what I love about that. I love that quantum physics science is actually proving what spiritual masters have taught throughout eons. And what are they, what are they proving? What they're proving is that what we predominantly mentally rehearse in this unprecedented faculty called our imagination and charged with our emotions literally has a vibration. There's a frequency to it. There are waves of energy that emit from us and emit out into the invisible field that quantum physics calls the quantum field, where there are waves of energy hanging out in what they call superposition. And in some fantastical way, that energy then organizes around the predominant thought and feeling that we are emitting. Everybody's with me with this, right? That, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, this is not new information for you. So, the thing to understand is that we are always organizing. This energy is always organizing, right? It's the basic explanation of the law of attraction, which is actually the secondary law. The true law is the law of vibration. Now, to understand, to go deeper with this, what we predominantly think and feel, it defines our identity. We literally have an energetic signature that now becomes the organizing pattern for this energy around us. And we can never outperform or outreceive the way we see ourselves. Now, if we go back to what we teach in Unity, that God is all there is, and we are the physical manifestations of God, God is constantly asking us to know more of who we are created to be. Now, I taught third grade. Third grade is, I taught special ed, and then I taught third grade. And it's very logical, very um, tangible, very concrete. And so when I think about these principles, it's like, okay, how do we take it from the ethereal feel-good-in-the-middle-of-a-Sunday-Service and actually apply it in our lives? What does it look like to actually unlock this power in our lives? And what I realize is that what it looks like is for us to pay attention to what's seeking to be expressed through us, something that we've never known for ourselves before. And that starts with becoming willing to actually see things in our imagination for ourselves, for our world, that we've never known before. And the way that we discover what those are is by working with the most potent, powerful, holiest of all questions that we can work with, and I'm gonna give it to you. And that question is, what would I love? What would I love? What would I love to be, do, have, give? What would I love? Understanding it is the force of love itself, seeking that richer, freer, fuller expression through you and by means of you in the form of the answer to that question. So, I'm asking you, let's imagine it's a year from now, and we're in a conversation. And man, it was good a year before, but now it's off the chart. It is off the chart good. When you think about the conversation you would love to be having about your life a year from now, I want you to consider four areas. The area of your health the area of your relationships, the area of your vocation, your vocari. This is how you're sharing your gifts and your talents, whether it's volunteer or you're you're getting paid for it. And then the area of freedom on your calendar and in your financials, in, in your checkbook. Use this amazing faculty. You know, when we talk about thought, what are we really talking about? We're talking about what you're running in your imagination. We think in pictures. If I say door, what do you see? You see your door. If I say car, you see a car. Maybe not your car, maybe not your door, but you see a picture of it. In fact, you probably actually see a movie of it, correct? You don't see D-O-O-R-C-A-R. You're actually running a movie of it. When I invite you to think into the question, what would I love? You're being invited by the divine design, to think of something and think into an image, a movie, it's a, 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 uh, um, a scenario of your life that excites you and scares you to death all at the same time. Because it's something beyond what you've ever known for yourself before. This is how spirit expands. It expands your capacity to see yourself in ways that you've never seen yourself before to allow a much greater degree of freedom and abundance into your life before and to step into your life up and in, uh, step into a life that up until now has not been your normal it's natural but it hasn't been your normal now again I don't claim that this is new information. You know, Charles Fillmore talked about thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. They had an amazing vision of moving off of Tracy Street and building out a beautiful complex out at Unity Village. If you've ever been up to Lee Summit, Missouri and um, Unity Village, that they dreamed that up. They imaged it and worked with it and... And they worked the principles to move off of Tracy Street, um, which <clears throat> that building is still there, and build out that beautiful complex um, in Lee Summits and uh, Unity Village. So they used those principles. Life is asking you to use those principles. So we have this information. The question then becomes, so what happens? Where's the disconnect? Why is it that I know that visualizing is powerful, but yet, and I'm, I'm working, I'm co-creating, I'm receiving the divine design, and I'm letting myself play in the realm of my imagination, but yet it doesn't always show up in the world of our facts. Visualizing is not enough. It doesn't stop there. We have to move from visualizing, and stay with me with this, we have to move from visualizing to even go beyond faith to assuming. We have to learn to assume. In fact, we have to learn to assume the inconceivable before our world gives us the evidence or the facts. So let me tell you why this is important. I love that you talked about, um, when you read about, you know, making decisions, right? That we make decisions based on what we know. We make decisions based on what we assume. So, I'm, I'm one that kind of sometimes like to push the envelope a little bit with time. Kind of push the edge there. And so, you know, this morning I went out and did my hike. I talked to a client. I came back in, you know, um, did you know? Uh, talked with my husband a little bit. And then I jumped in the shower like 20 minutes before I had to be here. And I got here on time. I was here on time. I got here on time. The only reason I could do that was because I assumed water was going to come out of my faucet. (laughs) Right? Now, we laugh about that. But there are areas of the world that organize their life around hauling water. They don't have that assumption. Now, I have evidence that water is going to come out of my faucet, and this principle is asking us to assume before we have the evidence. We have a story. It was one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when Jesus fed the 5,000 men and the additional 10,000 uh, women and children that they don't count, and that miracle <laughs> Just saying. So, so he fed a whole lot more people than what was reported. In the gospel and you know so he's teaching all day and and you know people are just in the energy of it and it's getting late and they're starting to get hungry and they're getting restless and his disciples who have not mastered this as of yet start getting nervous and start saying oh my god the crowd's getting uh um, hungry tell them to go away tell them to go away you know I I envision this ancient world secret police secret service where they want to whisk them out into a you know a, a a chariot limousine But Jesus understood this principle. Jesus understood that everything required was right where he was. Neville Goddard in his book, The Power of Awareness, talks about creation is finished. Nothing is added. It's what are we assuming is present for us. And so what he did was that he assumed what seemed to be inconceivable to the people around him, and he acted as if, he had everything required. He told them to sit down. He gathered what they had. He saw plenty. And in the state of that assumption and however it happened, and let's just assume that it did happen, that Jesus had a different understanding of the laws of nature than we had up until that point, And it multiplied. And it multiplied to such a degree that there was overflow. There was excess that they had, what, like five or seven additional baskets? They had a whole bunch of extra food that they didn't have to begin with. That's what it is to assume the inconceivable. Now, that's a story that we can dismiss because nobody really has proof that it happened. But we do have evidence of things in our world where people assume the inconceivable and they acted on that. One of my favorite things to do, and I know I'm a little bit unusual in this, I love to fly. In fact, you know, I'm getting on an airplane bright and early tomorrow morning to fly to Chicago to speak to a a group of heart-centered entrepreneurs who establish business-based and spiritual principles. This is what I get to do now. Imagine back, I think it was 1903, the Wright brothers. There's this contraption built out of canvas. It's a kite with an engine on it, effectively. They they had to assume the inconceivable to get on that thing. (laughs) Think about that. They organized their entire lives around an assumption. There was no proof. There was no evidence of it. And today, you know, talk about being happy to hold a baby. You know, last week I went to Chicago as well, different group. And, um, you know, my biggest complaint was that I had a little baby that was a little restless, and I got to hold that baby uh, on that flight. Um, You know, I assume the thing's going to take off and land. Otherwise, I wouldn't get on it tomorrow. When we talk about this third principle of creating with thought... It goes beyond the warm and fuzzy imagining and being in a community where we're supporting one another. It goes to allowing the divine design to drop in in the form of a dream or a desire or something, you know, whether it's personal or for our world, beyond anything that you've ever known for yourself before. And then you organize your life around that assumed inconceivable. Now, the way, let me break this down a little bit more in the couple minutes that I have, because I'm not saying just take, you know, throw it out to the universe and take a big leap, but what you do do, what what I am uh, suggesting that you do, is that you have this image, you understand that your world is not giving you evidence for this right now, and you start working with an additional question, which is, if I really believed this was possible, what is an action step I would take today? And you allow those ideas to drop in. And you do that over and over and over and over and over again. This is mastery, that you are constantly checking, noticing what am I paying attention to? Bring it back to the image because this is what is impressing into the invisible field. What is this image asking me to know about myself in a very real, tangible way? And if I really believed this, what action would I take? Then you want to do what I call scaffolding. You want to start gathering the evidence that energy is actually moving in that direction. It's so easy to get fixated on what's not going well why it's not working why this is impossible maybe i should just water down and just be happy with where i am you know in the spiritual realm let me just be grateful for what i have absolutely always be grateful never be satisfied because it's in the dissatisfaction that we're pushing the envelope of what we believe is possible and we're stepping into the realm of the bigger experience of spirit And so you start gathering the evidence. I love that Thomas Troward, the prolific writer back at the uh, turn of the last century, talks about how it's, it's, it's slight in the beginning. It's of no real magnitude. And it's not the size that matters, it's the direction. And if you can keep putting your direction, you know, the Wright brothers, they noticed how... They could get things to go up for a little bit longer. And, um, um, you know, that flight, 13 seconds, my friends. 13 seconds. They did not get off that thing and say, well, dang, that's it. I'm done. 13 seconds. They celebrated. They saw it as evidence. So in this process of owning who you are and uh, um, Uh, Being that person who creates with your thinking, see the image, ask what the image is asking you to know about yourself. Assume the inconceivable by asking if I really believed this was possible, what action would I take and start stacking the evidence that the energy is moving in the direction of supporting you. Because as you do this, and you dedicate your life to mastering this process, watch how you transform. And this, my friends, truly is the way that we transform and heal the face of the planet. God bless. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zens, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.